0: This week on The VergeCast, Becca Forsacci and Dan Seifert join us to talk about the Note 20 Ultra, the Galaxy Beans, not the Buds Live, we're calling them Beans, and the return of BlackBerry. All that's coming up on The VergeCast.
1: Support for the show comes from Kohler. Smart lights, smart refrigerators, smart locks. The list of smart gadgets meant to make life more convenient grows longer and longer every day. But what about smart things that are also beautiful things, luxurious even? Meet the NUMI 2.0, Kohler's smartest toilet yet. The NUMI 2.0 is a fully connected oasis of clean and comfort with unmatched sculptural design. More than a toilet, it's a work of art. Make your bathroom the smartest, cleanest, and most comfortable room in your home with Kohler. Learn more at Kohler.com.
2: That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.
0: Greetings, mobile accomplishers. Welcome to the Vergecast, the flagship podcast of phones with physical keyboards and styluses. Uh, it's, a, it's, like a, it's like the trio podcast. I am Dieter Bone. I am your pal. Uh, our other friend, Neelai Patel, is off this week. So instead you get me and you also get uh, two really cool smart people. So you have uh, Becca is here.
3: Hello, your neighborhood bud.
0: And, uh, and Dan Seifert. I'm here. Hello. So, we had a lot happen this week. Uh, we had reviews of a bunch of Samsung devices to talk about. The Epic versus Apple thing continued. It's just going to keep continuing <laughs> forever and ever. And uh, yeah, Blackberry's coming back. So, we're going to get into all of that. But first, because Neil is not here, I need to stand in for him and do this thing where we just count weeks. It has been 23 weeks since um, Donald Trump had a press conference wherein uh, his administration held up a sign saying there would be a website where you could go and sign up to get tested, and then you would get the test results on that website. Two, three weeks, uh, which is uh, a lot of weeks. And that just still isn't a thing that you can you can go do nationwide. Just It's all sort of hodgepodge. We also have other coronavirus, COVID-19 stuff to talk about. Uh, The main thing I want to point out, though, is you can go and sign up for a new newsletter from our science editor, Mary Beth Griggs. It's called Antivirus, and it is going to be about all of the COVID-19 news, putting it in a real science-based context so you know what matters and doesn't matter. And I think most importantly, in the next few months, she's going to be tracking the development of a vaccine or multiple vaccines. And this is going to be a big deal because there's just going to be, y'all, there's just going to be a ton of uh, vaccine misinformation. There's going to be a bunch of like bad science reporting of people jumping to bad conclusions based on some, you know, little bit of an update from a study somewhere. And so this newsletter is going to be the thing that it's going to really help you figure out what you should actually pay attention to and what is stupid. Mary Beth has already done some of this work already. She recently published an article with just a chef's kiss of a headline called Attack of the Gators, uh, which is about this story that neck gators, you know, th- those types of masks were maybe worse, but it turned out that everyone saying that was based off of the wrong interpretation of a study that actually what didn't have you know as much to it as people assumed it did. So sign up for that newsletter it's at the verge.com/newsletters. Uh, we also have a back to school special which has got a bunch of articles about uh, all the different schools attempts to open up and then realize they shouldn't open back up and then send the students back home and then deal with remote learning and then teachers and parents, a lot there. You should go check that out. And uh, yeah, so we know that you want us to track all of that stuff. We are going to be writing about that. We're also writing about the racial justice movement. There's a lot more coming on that front on TheVerge.com, so stay tuned for that relatively soon. Right now, though, I think it's time to just, let's just talk about a gadget. Like, just we're just going to go full on 120 hertz refresh rate, nonstop, Note 20 Ultra. I reviewed it. Uh, Becca, you have one uh, within arm's reach and in your hand, literally in your hand.
3: In my hand.
4: I can't actually see your hand because it's so big that it just like (laughs) engulfs your whole hand.
0: It is my hand. (laughs) Actually, let's start there. This is a huge phone. And I know it's really boring or cliche to talk about it being a huge phone, but something about this phone in particular Has me rethinking the whole idea of big ass phones in the first place. Like Dan, what's your what's your preferred phone size? Where do you land?
4: You know, I feel like it's actually every year it gets bigger and bigger. Like I can tolerate more and more. Maybe that's because like manufacturers are making the bigger sizes more efficient. So there's like less bezel and they fit my hand better, yada yada. This year, I'm loving the 6.2-inch size of the S20, not the S20 Plus or the ultra but the regular base model S20. Like anything bigger than that is pushing my limit. I have a Pixel 4a that we talked about last week or the week before here. That's like 5.8. That feels small now. Like when I go when I use that instead of my S20, the Pixel 4a is kind of small. Whereas, like the S20, at least for my hands, I can still use one hand and I don't drop it on my face all the time. But, like, now it's like I'm stuck at home, so I could probably just use a giant screen all the time, anyways, because I'm not like standing on a subway trying to hold onto a pole and read my phone at the same time. So,
0: I don't know. Yeah, Becca, where are you at?
3: That's a really good point, not having to hold it on the subway. I'm holding the SE right now. And I, I have to admit, I was typing on this yesterday and I was like, whoa, this is like hard to type on. It's so small. Yeah. And I've always been the person that's like, I want smaller phones. And I'm starting to think like, do I do I want a smaller phone? I don't know. If these giant bezels didn't exist on the SE, I think this would be I could get used to the typing. But that the whole bezel thing kind of weighs in on me not loving that size either. I do love the 4A.
0: Yeah, the 4a I I don't feel I feel 4a is like the right size if you want a small phone to me. Like it feels small, but it also feels like you can put it in your pocket. It's unobtrusive. I like the S20 size as well. The the Note 20 Ultra. So, the thing that people always say about big screen phones is you use this phone you don't need a tablet. And the Note 20 Ultra is the one that actually convinced me. Like I did not use my iPad or even my Kindle e-reader a single time uh, during the period when I was reviewing this phone. Because I had a 7-inch screen. I mean, 6.9, whatever. I had a massive screen that could do basically all of the stuff I would want to do that didn't require a physical keyboard. The thing that really pushed me over the line was uh, gaming, was playing Xbox games and Stadia. It's bigger than the screen on my Switch Lite. It's just <laughs> huge. And it oh, like damn. it feels great, right?
4: And you were using it with, uh, I think in your review, there's a picture of, like, the Razer Kishi. It's jammed into that thing that you were playing games with.
0: Yeah. So the Razer Kishi, it's one of these, like, controllers that turns your phone into, like, a Switch. And it, like, has got a little expando thing on it. Plugs into the USB-C port. It uh, is not spec'd for the Note 20 Ultra. It's a little (laughs) bit of a... Stretch. I literally, it's actually a stretch to get it onto the phone.
4: Are you saying the Note Ultra 20 Ultra is a big phone? <laughs> it's so big. Oh my
0: god.
3: You.
4: I mean, Becca, I'm watching you hold it. You've got it, no case. Dieter, you reviewed it without a case on it, right? Yeah. So, like. I'm trying to think of, like, the average person buying this phone is definitely going to put a case on it. We'll probably talk about its price, but it's 1300 freaking bucks. Like, you're yeah. not not walking out of the house without a case on
0: this, which makes it even bigger than it, like, already is. But at least a case would do something about that camera bump. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. It might we...
3: sit sort of flat on the table. <laughs> maybe.
0: You need a case so thick. For our, our review video, I shot the stand-up, Becca shot all the actual good uh, B-roll, but she wanted a little bit of B-roll of me writing on the uh, on the note, and so I took my camera and I, I gaff-taped, because I've got a big roll of gaff tape, I gaff-taped my t- tripod to the kitchen table and like created a, a top-down that I swear to God I was going to destroy my camera, but I managed to do it. And then I set the phone underneath the camera, and everything's good, and I like wedge myself in there a little bit, and I pull the stylus out, and I'm like, all right, it's sitting on the table, and I'm just going to write on this thing, so we've got some nice, beautiful footage of my hand writing out something on the Note 20. This setup is going to fall apart at any second, and I'm going to break my $2,000 camera, but it's going to work. I'm going to do it. And then I tried to write on the Note what it was sitting flat on a table, and... Oh my God, it was just, it was a rattle city. You just can't do it. You have to hold it if you're going to write on it because it just won't sit flat on the table.
3: Yeah, even when I was shooting it and trying to have it sit flat on the table, it was like so crooked in a weird way that it made it look like the camera was maybe crooked or something was wrong. So I just ended up standing it up all the time.
4: Dieter, you used the word in your review. You called it a promontory. Yeah. Which uh, I, it stuck with me because I had to, like, double check the definition while I was editing it. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Which means, if you haven't re- looked it up, so you, you don't have to pull over your, your imaginary car and look it up. Uh, it means a, like, a large, like, landmass. Basically, like, a mesa extending out of the back of this phone. Which is, like, the only way to describe this camera bump. It is yeah. a mesa on the back of it. It is so massive.
0: So it's even bigger than on the S20 Ultra. What you get out of this bump is you get their three cameras. On the ultra-wide, I was like, it's fine, it's okay, uh, but the dynamic range is pretty good. The more I play with it, the more I'm like, man, maybe I should have been even nicer. It's not amazingly good, but it is way better than average, and average for ultra-wides is really bad. It's bad. It's not enough for me to like praise it to the high heavens, but it's enough where... It would work in situations where, like almost any other phone's ultra wide camera, would just fall on its face. I'm actually pretty happy with the ultra wide camera on this thing.
3: Yeah, I think you, you touched on a good point there, though, with the dynamic range, because when I'm shooting something ultra wide, like it, it is dramatic already, and so then when you add that extra dynamic range, it really makes it dramatic. And Samsung software just makes the blue in the sky go nuts, and so it <laughs> it just makes everything look. Extremely dramatic, which I don't know. I, I love to see it in an ultra <laughs>
0: Yeah. Okay. So the, then the, I'm I'm getting to the 108 at the end. Then there's a the telephoto, which I think on the S20 Ultra was like a 48 megapixel sensor or something, but on here it's a 12. And then they use the periscope lens, or they call it the folded lens. And so they give you, they say it's 5x optical, and technically it is, but really, like if you want to like look at the exact, you know, diameter or you know, degrees of the field of view, it might be a little bit less than that or whatever. In general, when you when you, like at 50X, I think the S20 Ultra, the S20 Ultra is a little bit sharper than the Note 20 Ultra at this thing's max zoom, which is 50X. But it's also a little bit noisier. So in general, I am finding that when you have a like a more reasonable zoom, like 10 or 15X, which is still really good that the note 20 ultra wins over the s20 ultra hands down and i don't know of any other phone other than maybe huawei that can get you like a 15x zoom that you wouldn't be embarrassed to put on instagram Mm. would you
4: say that's like kind of the limit of the zoom usage would you ever use that 50x zoom or is that just kind of like a demo
0: no Absolutely. I mean, I, I used it to like show off, right? To be like, yeah. you can actually like see the tiles and it isn't just a weird over-sharpened, pixelated disaster site, uh, you know, at 50X. So I took I took a bunch of those photos of like tiled roofs, roofs. And so that that's cool. It's like fun to show people. So I call it a party trick. That's kind of literally what mm-hmm. it is. But um, I don't know what you'd use it for. I, well, you know, I don't know about the
4: 50X, but I I do think, I am like really bullish on Telephoto lenses being like a very uh, A thing that Smartphone cameras are lacking And need and is like a next step for like Everyday people like just yesterday I was out walking in the neighborhood With my family and we Turned the corner and there's this like owl Just like hanging out in the tree And like I didn't have my camera with me my my phone is like a regular s20 I tried to zoom in with that like you you could i could not get a picture of this thing yeah I could see it with my eyes and it was really cool uh, but like I couldn't get a picture if i had a 10x 15x zoom I could get like a, a picture of seeing that thing clearly or like if you're at a sporting event You know, uh, or you're you're at at anything that you want to get a distance. And like, there was this whole market of cameras, of super zoom cameras for so many years. And parents bought them all the time because they want to take pictures of kids at sporting events and dance recitals and all that kind of stuff because they can't get any physically closer. So like, I do think that like telephoto lenses are the next frontier for smartphones. And it's really great to see that they are actually getting dramatically better this quickly. Like, you mentioned Huawei. I think Huawei was one of the first companies to put this folded periscope optics into a phone maybe a year ago, maybe a little bit more than that. Oh, and man. they were like pretty bad then. But like now we're at a point where like you could take a TEDx Zoom photo with a phone that you could buy right now and like you said, not be embarrassed about it. So I don't know it's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. I don't even know if I want to admit this, but the, the telephoto lens, when I first got it, I have, like, I look into, like, a, a neighbor's house, and oh he, he has his <laughs> kinda, computer. No. Okay, maybe I should stop. <laughs> no, 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 no. He has his, his lap. The back of his laptop is, like, right up against the window, and there's a bunch of stickers on it, and I can never read them.
0: The back um, of his laptop.
3: The back of his laptop. (laughs) The back. (laughs) No. But I used the 50X, and I could read all of his stickers. And one of them said, like, bro code or something. And I was like, okay, now I know a little bit more about you.
0: And then there was a mirror behind him, and then you could just tilt the phone up a little bit to the mirror behind him, and then you could (laughs) see the reflection.
3: I do not endorse spying on your neighbors with your 50X uh, periscope zoom. (laughs)
0: Uh, Oh, so the last one is the 108-megapixel main sensor. I don't want to get into the pixel binning technology too much. Uh, they bin it to 12, and they added a laser autofocus so that it could focus faster close up, and um, there is a slow shutter speed thing that a bunch of other people pointed out that I noticed it, but I didn't think it was so hellaciously bad that it was a real—that I. Thought I needed to mention it, although maybe I, since this is you know such an expensive phone, I probably should have. I don't know, Becca. What did you think of the main camera? Was it fast enough for you? Did it focus okay for you?
3: Yeah, I found it fast. I found its focus to be very sharp. Um, the 108 megapixels are actually like there's actually a lot of detail there, and I, I usually take. When, when a phone has like that many megapixels i'm like ah, i don't i don't know if i like actually trust it but it, it's sharp it's sharp and the files are, are big and and you can you can punch into that yeah i, I kind of loved it
0: wow so i thought that the 108 shots were like maybe over sharpened or I just I just it it looked Ah. really artifacty to me but maybe that's just because I think if the the situation where that makes sense is if you're shooting like a landscape right if you've like got a mountain lake the 108 you might do something really cool and interesting there but, you know, if you're, I was like, I took a lot of photos of flower beds. It's the, kind of the, the main thing I take photos of, Classic. apparently, when I'm testing a phone. And there, it was just like, this is like, the stuff was too close for it to be like interesting to switch to 108.
3: Yeah, yeah, I did. I flipped it around and like took a picture of myself and then like zoomed in on my pores. And they're mm. maybe, maybe I was just being self-conscious, but they were there.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's the only way that this photo lets you get pictures of your pores, right? Because the selfie <laughs> camera, <laughs> oh my God. Ham cam, hashtag ham cam. Ham, I, I am so frustrated by this thing. I don't even think I should be allowed to talk about it right now. It is so bad.
3: When I saw the photos, the selfies that you took, they really, I, I actually cracked up. Like you, it, it looks pretty hammy.
4: So we should we should clarify what we're talking about when we say ham cam. Oh. But like, basically you can't disable Samsung skin smoothing stuff. Even if you turn it off on the app and you slide all the sliders to zero or whatever, it's still mucking with your face and like yeah. it will just like smooth out any pores or, you know, imperfections or wrinkles or any of the reality of your face <laughs> and turn you
0: into a
4: boiled ham. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Ew.
0: I mean, it's so in certain lighting conditions, it's fine. And like if you don't have it too close to your face... It's fine. But the spot where I happened to take it, it, was just like I had really nice lighting, like natural sunlight hitting my face. And like any camera, it's like, this is it. This is a moment when you could take a really good, relatively close up selfie. And it was just like exactly right to to just screw with Samsung's idea of what color should look like and what it should do to faces. And it just went haywire. And I, I was like, okay, I'll try this in another situation. And it, I don't know, it's like it, Usually, you say that phones are better in like good light, but not this one. So it's like a it's like a
4: combination of the skin smoothing that I mentioned, and then it's also like brightening your face, right? Like it's it's doing that artificial stuff. Like the iPhone does this all the time, where it tries to brighten faces, but like, and it's 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 very distinct. I can always identify an iPhone selfie versus others. But like, this is just like beyond that, right?
3: It's next level. <laughs> yeah.
0: Here's the thing: we it spent just spent a ton of time talking about the cameras. And normally, like, especially at, like, this class of phone, the main things you've got to differentiate a phone are the cameras, because, like, everything's going to be fast, everything's going to be smooth, everything's going to, you know, do the same stuff because they're all running Android or iOS. So you really, like, key in a lot on the cameras as, like, the thing that's your decision point. So you would think, given that, that given that I think that the selfie camera is, like, pretty flawed that, like, that's a deal breaker and you shouldn't buy this phone. But I don't actually feel like that. I feel like this phone has enough other qualities that might appeal to somebody that's actually interested in a note, specifically the stylus, that just because the selfie camera hams my face up, (laughs) that that's not necessarily a reason to completely avoid this phone.
3: I mean, how many selfies are you also taking? I mean, I'm sure there's people who take more selfies than others, but um, I, I do... I also... Do you want to talk about, like, the video capabilities here? Like, the 8K?
0: Yeah, okay. So it does 8K, and you're more interested in 8K than I am. I feel like it's like, what are you doing? But, like, you actually, like, see some punch-in opportunities there, right?
3: I do, and and I used to kind of be one of those people that didn't didn't like see the need for 8K, but now that I have really dove into the punching in, mm-hmm. um, in in the videos that I create and just in the cadence of my voice on camera, I, I loved it, and in putting it into a 4K timeline on Adobe Premiere and having like so much latitude was huge for me. Um, latitude in punching in that is yeah, punching yeah. in and out. Um, yeah. And I, and I thought it's image stabilization was, was really good as well. Cause while I was filming it, I was like, "Oh, I'm really shaky. This is going to look horrible. Um, and then watching it back, it was pretty smooth. Um, it is very vibrant, like Samsung likes it. <laughs> um, and it is a kind of a, a tight frame when you're shooting an 8k. Um, like if you flip, if you flip it around, you're using the rear camera on yourself. Like it's, it, It like just barely got my whole face in the frame and my arm was fully extended. But I would I would take ham cam selfies if I could have that 8K sensor. But I also shoot a ton of video. So that's a little bit more important for me.
0: So do you feel like the 8K like you kind of need to know what you're doing? Like you need to either know Mm. what the right lighting is. That's like this thing is within this thing's technical range or you need to have a tripod so you can stand far enough back from it like. There's a pro mode, and it has these microphone options, which I actually love. Uh, do you—or yeah. is it the sort of thing where, like, anybody that wants to shoot a video, should they should, like, just give the 8K a shot? Uh, but I I would worry recommending it, because, like, I'm happy to say, yeah, give the 4K a shot. You can play around with that and do stuff there. But, like, with the 8K, I worry that if you miss it, it's gone, and it's not worth the risk of doing 8K unless you know exactly what you're doing. Or am I just being, like, super paranoid? <laughs>
3: I don't know, does the average person actually know the resolution that their phone's video capabilities can, like, record in? Does, like, the average person care about that, or is it just people who are taking this?
4: No, but we're talking about, like, people who are spending, prepared to spend $1,400 on a Note 20. That doesn't fold in half. (laughs) That doesn't fold (laughs) in half. So I would hope that, like... There's, like, reasons that they're willing to spend, and maybe we'll, we'll talk about the stylus, maybe that's the reason, but, like, maybe the 8K is the reason. Like, like we saw 8K on the S20 Ultra, both of you guys used that far more than I did, but it, it was kind of problematic. It was limited in frame rates. You already mentioned, Becca, the, 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 the cropping is really tight on the 8K mode, so, like you can't like shoot a wide scene or capture a group of people with it or anything like that. Did it get better enough on the Note 20 that like maybe to like Dieter's point is 8K something that someone should care about or should you just be really thrilled with high quality 4K video?
3: It's a really good question. I don't know if I'd ever buy a phone solely based on the fact that it could do 8K because if you're that concerned about having 8K video, then you're probably looking at bigger, badder cameras, like actual standalone cameras. I don't think I would buy a phone strictly for 8K capabilities. If you have an 8K TV, you will actually have (laughs) content to play on it.
0: Oh, my
4: God. So
3: maybe then. But So so that kind
4: of like gets to the crux of the matter, right? Like you don't you 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 I can guarantee that you, the listener and me, the talker and everyone else on this podcast does not have a screen that can play 8K content, right? So, I don't like, know, Dan.
0: Our audience—maybe
4: <laughs> like you can hack together like four 4K TVs, and 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 that uh, it's awesome if you can do that. But like realistically, there's no screen that you can play that video on at 4 k or 8K resolution. So the point of shooting 8K is, like you mentioned earlier, Becca, that ability to punch in or crop in on the video so you can like reframe or you know get closer sure. to something and still have that resolution to fill a 4K timeline, right? So like, sure. It is. It does feel like a very niche type of need and a very specific yes. need to somebody who is going to do that with the video later on. Like, like to Dieter's point, like if I'm just shooting video uh, around the house or whatever of my kids or making TikToks or whatever it is you do, I'm never taking that video off of my phone to edit. Right. right. So like, I might like change where it starts and change where it stops, but like I'm not reframing the the video. It's not going into a timeline. So like do I need to use the 8K mode in that sense or is, am I better off going with something safe on the 4K mode, right?
3: Yeah, right, 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 absolutely. And your file sizes are just going to be bigger.
4: Yeah, that was the other point that I was hoping somebody would bring up.
0: Well, and the fact that the base model thing only has 128 gigs of storage, like, come on. Yes. At that price point, that's just ridiculous. How many 8K TikToks is that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so the stylus, this is like, I hit this so hard in the video and in the review, I don't need to belabor it here, but... Y'all, Samsung Notes is really good. (laughs) I don't understand it. I don't have, I I feel very strange saying it. The rest of Samsung software on this phone is like, they're like falling back into their old ways and they're popping up ads inside their phone app and inside other apps. They're, you know, it's getting bad again. Uh, Like One UI had like, two good years or like a year and a half of goodness and now they're just like backsliding but somebody somewhere whoever is in charge of the notes app for the Galaxy Note don't let anybody come into your office don't let anybody find out that you're making good software just lock your door and continue to work on it and only talk to Microsoft to improve OneNote syncing and don't let anybody else from Samsung talk to you that's that's my feeling I gotta be
4: honest with you like this is Very good to hear as someone who spent years reviewing prior notes and prior prior note phones and always struggling to find like a good notes app to use the stylus with. Like I would try the Samsung notes or S notes. It used to be called Snotes. Snote. 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 I I would try that out. And it was always kind of like half of an app that they built as a concept. And then like, I would try like, Oh, maybe Evernote can work. And like, Oh, I can write in this, but it's really kind of broken. Then there, then like Samsung actually partnered with like some other app developers. I can remember their, their logo, maybe pen up or something like that. Uh, that was like, they pre bundled it on the note. And I was like, ah, this kind of doesn't work. So like, The note, we're on the note 20, note 20. Like there hasn't been 20 notes, but there's been like 11. (laughs) So like we are finally getting a good native core note taking experience on a phone that is built around the ability to take notes on the go. Like that's like really great to see them finally get there.
0: I I think that's a little bit harsh. Like I would say it was good last year and this year it's like great. And that's what's confusing is Samsung Mm -hmm. has made some great software.
4: (laughs) And there's no ads in it, right? Like you mentioned, there's no ads.
3: When I was editing, uh, Dieter, the Note 20 review, and you had like this two-minute chunk where you go on about notes. And it was beautiful (laughs) to watch. And I was so worried about like the pace of the video that I kind of, you know, put some B-roll over it, and you know, jazzed it up a little bit. But I almost wanted to leave it with like no music and just watch you gush over this Notes app. I...
0: It's very strange, and again, do not buy this phone just for the Notes app, <laughs> but it's, it's actually worth gushing about because you're going to be able to export it to OneNote, and I really wish it was a two-way sync, et cetera, et cetera, but like, the, the reason I would never tell anybody to, like, go all in on Samsung Notes is then you're, like, you're, you're stuck buying Notes for the rest of your life, and now it actually, like, has and an off-ramp if you ever want to buy some other phone.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, mm, right.
0: So, something Marquez pointed out in his YouTube video that maybe we could have brought up, but, like, I knew we'd talk about it here, is Samsung, just like they did last year, they seeded out review units of, like, the top-line Ultra version, and they didn't seed out the base Note. And last year, we were like, well, wait for the regular Note 10, because, you know, it'll be a little bit smaller and cheaper, and it'll be just as good. This year... It seems like the note, regular Note Twenty, is. I mean, we got to review it. We should reserve judgment. But Becca, you've you've held it. You know what it's like. It seems like they. It's it's not. Uh, it's not very ultra. y It's not very note-y. It's
3: not not very ultra. I'd almost call it like the the Note Twenty Light.
0: <laughs>
4: yeah. Would be
3: a better name.
0: Note Twenty Minus. <laughs> so okay, what do we? What do you lose if you go down to the Note Twenty? You lose screen size.
3: Screen size, the it doesn't have the uh, in like edge display, right? It's flat display,
0: which maybe you prefer, but whatever. There's, it's plastic, right? Yeah, the the back is plastic. the The screen
4: size is smaller. The resolution is also lower.
3: Yes, resolutions are.
4: And c- crucially,
0: it's sixty hertz, not one hundred and twenty hertz. Ridiculous.
4: That's the
3: thing. That's the thing.
0: No thousand dollar phone should have a sixty hertz display. I like if Apple's iPhone this year doesn't have a high refresh rate display. I mean, I'm not going to say it's junk, don't buy it, but like, come on. It'll be a very big surprise if it doesn't. $1,000 right? phones should have high refresh rate displays. It really does make a difference. And then the camera array is
4: different. I don't think it has a 108
0: right. megapixel sensor. Yeah.
4: So, like, it is actually minus in every every spec that you care about. Like everything about it is worse. And like yes, the price is lower, but
0: like a thousand dollars is not a low price. Like we just that's stated, not a low so. price. So uh, minus phones are great. The Pixel Four A is great. Um, sorry, may, not minus phones. Light phones, whatever, they're great. <laughs> uh, but like the One Plus Eight Pro is like what eight nine hundred bucks. Uh, and it it beats out this note 20 pro <laughs> pro this note 20 in like every aspect except it doesn't have a stylus you can get really solid phones for not a lot of money like another thing that happened this week is Samsung like gave us a list of phones that it's guaranteeing three years of Android updates to or three generations whatever and like the number one thing on that list is the a51 I reviewed that earlier this year there's a 5g mm-hmm. version of it now because there has to be because otherwise carriers will ignore it nah. but like they're great but don't charge a thousand bucks for it but the thing is like the s20
4: is a thousand bucks and it's better in every metric over the note 20 that we know obviously you know review tbd but like we've been doing this a long time we can kind of read into the between the lines here in every metric except for the stylus and so like if you're going to spend a thousand dollars on a samsung phone you would be better off buying an s20 yeah yeah
0: Well, on that down note, I think we should take a break and we're going to come back and we're going to make jokes about beans for like another 45 minutes because that's that's where we live now.
3: Love beans.
0: Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Kohler.
5: I think when we think of design, we're like, beautiful poster, gorgeous graphics. But I also think design has like a place in making sure that people feel the best that they can be. Hi, I'm Laura Delarado. I'm a group creative director at Box Creative. During my 9 to 5 and my 5 to 9, I've always got good design on the brain. It's metaphorically and physically glowing. It's like the Aurora Borealis. Which is exactly why I was so excited to meet the new Me 2.0, Kohler's smartest toilet. On first introduction, it legit just waved a hand at me. Not actual wave the hand, but the lid moved up and greeted me for the use. But right now we're in a showroom, so I can't actually use it. Functions like this, a hands-free greeting, and form combined in the new me to elevate the everyday. It's a sculpture that begs for someone to, like, rest their body on it and walk away feeling really comfortable. A temperature controlled bidet, the heated seat, automatic self-cleaning cycles, access to smart home functions thanks to a built-in Alexa, the Numi's got it all for everyone. The bottom has this really beautiful green glow and it's almost as if they knew that was my special color because if you go into my bathroom at home, the entire bathroom is a mint green. It's like the new me new that I was showing up. And what's really cool about this is that there is this like circular sphere metal piece that like allows for you to change the color on the bottom. So if I'm not in my mint green era, which I'm often am, I can be in another era, my like calming blue, my like rosy pink, like whatever I need to feel. It's, It's like the Sistine Chapel of toilets. Experience a fully connected oasis of clean and comfort with the NUMI 2.0. Learn more at Kohler.com.
1: Support for the podcast comes from hymns. Look, we all need help, but for some of us guys, it can be a real challenge to be so vulnerable. There are just some things we'd rather keep to ourselves. Hims knows how you feel, which is why they're looking to provide you the help you need, discreetly. Introducing Hims, a men's healthcare product looking to provide simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for men. The entire process is 100% online, so you can get a new routine of improving your overall health in private. If prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and in discreet packaging. No waiting rooms, no pharmacy visits. So while it can be tough to deal with this part of your life, it doesn't mean you have to do it alone. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash verge. That's H-I-M-S dot slash verge for your personalized treatment options. hymns.com slash verge. Prescription to require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash verge for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. All
0: right, we're back. Becca, you and Chris Welch have both put beans in your ears uh, officially Ugh. under review. <laughs> True, but gross. Maybe maybe not literal beans, metaphorical beans.
3: I did think for for like the thumbnail, I did think about putting a bean in my ear, like an actual bean, and I did not. So I just want to clear that up. I did not.
0: Yeah. I mean, don't do it. Uh, but OK, you and Chris have both actually reviewed these things. Tell us about the beans. We know about them in theory, but what do they actually like to use?
3: You know what I? I so as a biker, I bike a lot, and um, bicycles,
0: not motorcycles.
3: Yes, I don't ride <laughs> motorcycles. I do ride bicycles, and while doing that, I want an open ear design so that I can hear what's going on around me, but also I can like bump while I'm while I'm biking. Yeah, and so I was excited for Samsung to put out an open ear design. Um, and then I was really excited that it didn't have a stem and it didn't look like most other open ear designed headphones, yeah. um, because when I'm biking, the stem is actually more of a problem than than people think. Like my, my helmet straps are honestly hitting it all the time.
0: Yep. No, I can't. I can't any kind of stem even a little one or if it sticks out too much like it flies out of my ear so i i'm also trying to bike more and i'm I, uh because there aren't a lot of open headphones i i don't to be safety helmet <laughs> literally i only put in my right <laughs> earbud and i leave my left ear open and i listen to podcasts or whatever so it's not like a full immersive experience but i would never put an isolating headphone into my left ear just would never happen and i always need something that my straps won't just knock out of my ears
3: yeah absolutely and now you're adding in like a mask too i'm usually like even if i'm not like directly wearing it over my mouth while i'm riding i have it like around my neck so that if i stop and i'm close to people i can pop it on so there's a whole nother you know thing that's around my ears so stems just get in the way um so i was very excited about the stemless open ear design the thing that i i don't often talk about i actually have never talked about in one of my reviews is the amount of noise that the wind hitting it causes oh yeah, yeah. to like like when you're riding, and I and I must say these, like the wind hits it in a certain way that you you really hear the wind um, when you're riding, which is like an interesting thing. But I haven't explored that enough to to fully um, talk about that in my reviews. Yeah. The one thing though with these that I am perpetually confused about is the whole idea of active noise cancellation.
0: Can you just like at a top level explain how what these things' philosophy is towards noise cancellation? Because we've we've written about it a bunch, but I think that. Uh, just like hearing, like reading it, you don't really get what the difference is between this and like a standard pair, of, I don't know, Bose or Sony's or whatever.
3: Yeah. Okay. So in my video, I went to the Brooklyn Promenade, which is above the double-decker highway that is the BQE in New York City. And it is loud. Like, It's not its not a quiet, serene place. Um, and I and I truly went there on purpose because I'm not really riding the subway right now. I can't test them down there. And so you put in like the AirPod Pros and, and you pop those in and instantly like the cars disappear, the city disappears, and it's like you and your music. That is active noise cancellation. You put these in, and there's like a hum to the city, and it'll take away this like low hum, but the cars are still there, the people are all still there, everything is still with you and your music. That's the difference, and I don't, I don't. I don't honestly don't, I don't, these aren't, this isn't active <laughs> noise
0: cancellation. It's not, it's not. So, like, for me, I'm like, okay, that sounds interesting because then I could wear them at home, and then uh, when my wife wants to get my attention, she doesn't have to, like, walk up and tap me on the shoulder. I'll still be able to hear her say, hey, Dieter. So, like, that's interesting, but, like, I'm not going to buy a whole new pair of headphones for that.
3: No. Well, what <laughs> are you canceling out at home?
0: My family. <laughs> well, actually, we've got a bird. We've got a effing bird and we live in an apartment complex and so there's a bunch of concrete and the bird has discovered that if it sits on our patio and chirps it can hear an echo of itself and it thinks it's another bird and so it thinks it's found a best friend that will talk to it all the time whatever it wants and so there's this bird i just there's a constant cheap 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 that happens where i live and i swear i'm going to lose it over this thing eventually and i'm just gonna like i'm, I'm just gonna go crazy i'm just gonna go nuts so i that's what i would cancel out yeah that bird has figured out social distance quarantine <laughs> yes. survival
3: <laughs> yes
0: so these won't solve that problem for me is what you're saying
3: and these do not these this won't the bird will still be with you yeah great yeah, yeah and you will be with the bird
0: i yeah. like birds but this bird i hate so much so what situation do you think it'd be good for like it won't we can't go to subway, but if you could, it won't draw that out. Um, it'll draw out like a hum. but like what? like if you if you sit next to an air conditioner, I guess it's good. But like
3: maybe a really quiet train that is already really quiet to begin with it will make a little bit quieter. <laughs> yeah, okay, so so I must have been when we were watching the when I was doing the supercut of the event, I was watching the event, and we all, the video team, we all are on a zoom together, kind of talking about what's going on, doing breakouts and whatnot. And when they said this had active noise cancellation, I was like, oh, it's the price of these is going to be in the 200s. Like, it, like if it yeah. has active noise cancellation, it's going to be up there. And and Viren, who's another um, senior video director here, he was like, oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And then they announced the price. And I was like, there's no way it has active noise cancellation. Yeah. And I was I think I was right.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so the key difference I mean, like, because technically, right, it does have active noise cancellation, but the problem that you're saying is in, in practice, it doesn't because it's not effective. And the problem is they don't form that seal, which is so necessary to augment the active noise cancellation, actually make it effective. Right. Is that kind of the gist?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I I am interested to see where Samsung goes with this, because to me, like it's a, it's a first gen form factor, Mm -hmm. first gen open noise cancellation like I I am wondering like is this just like a stepping stone is this just the start of open ear noise cancellation and and where will it go from here but then maybe it's just me being extremely optimistic as I am
0: yeah I mean maybe they can keep that open ear design and make it fully active noise canceling or maybe because it's Samsung and they, they love weird little things, they could like have it like a little mechanical part where like you turn it on and then it like <laughs> fills up your ear to seal it and then you get active noise cancellation. <laughs> like an air bladder. Yeah. I <laughs> hope so. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs>
5: That'd be amazing.
0: Except, would you trust a company that uh, lit a note on fire to, like, have a moving part in your ear? I don't know. This sounds like the opposite of the air vent that's on the AirPods Pro. Like,
4: yeah. that's supposed to let air out. <laughs> this would be, like, putting putting pressure in your ear to seal it up. <laughs> um,
3: yeah, what if it got stuck or something? I don't know.
0: <laughs> Anything else about the beans? Uh, Chris Welch also, like, he talked to the designer, and, like, I love that, like, you open these things up and it says beans on the inside. They, like, call them beans up until the 11th hour why did they change the name it would be so much more fun if they just called them beans
3: so much more fun and and shout out to chris on that article that was like a really really cool read to hear and, and to see all the photos of the different prototypes of the cases and how the case was going to be designed like a bean at one point yeah um, that was really cool
0: lean into the beans samsung just lean into it chickened out on the beans um
3: chickened out well
0: Speaking of buds, we should just briefly mention that uh, Google seems to like not be completely abandoning the Pixel Buds, which is not what I expected them to do. <laughs> I expected them to like forget that they made these things, uh, but they finally released the other colors, and then they threw a bunch of software updates at it that can like do more stuff now.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I I'll admit, like I I love the the Pixel Buds because I love the Google Assistant, right? Um, and and I love like rolling up to my house and telling it to turn the lights on without having to get my Hue app you know, up and rolling and all of that. Um, So I am excited that they're putting a little bit more attention in because the Bluetooth dropouts that started happening a few weeks after I was using them are real and were real. Um, So hopefully all of these improvements will improve that as well. But we'll see, we gotta put it to the test.
0: I'm really excited to try out these attention alerts. So the idea is like, they're sealed, right? And so you can't hear the world around you. It's not active noise cancellation, but whatever. But there might be a siren or crying baby or whatever, and you wouldn't hear it. But the Pixel Buds are going to listen for it now and then tell you, actually, hey, you should listen. Something's happening. That sounds fascinating.
3: Yeah, that sounds really cool. In New York City, I feel like it's just going to be constant alerts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have a lot of opportunity to test that out. Yeah. And
0: then since we're talking about accessories, Dan, you reviewed the Galaxy Watch 3? I did. Tell me about this thing.
4: So, I mean, in short, it's Samsung's latest smartwatch. It is their most expensive smartwatch. If you are an Android user and if you're especially a Samsung user, then really the only smartwatches worth putting your money into at this point are Samsung smartwatches. And so this kind of carries that line on. We we, you know, said the same thing with the active watch active two last year what's unique about this is that it's a little bit more high-end i and i and i, I kind of think of that as like on the apple watch you've got the aluminum model which everyone buys and that's yeah. like the the 400 and up model and then there's like the stainless steel model that like some fancy people buy and that is like 700 dollars or whatever it's a few hundred dollars more it doesn't actually add any functionality like it it it, it is the exact same apple watch it's just nicer that's kind of the story with the Galaxy Watch 3 versus the Galaxy Watch Active 2. The Watch Active 2 is aluminum. It's less expensive. It does all the same functions. The Galaxy Watch 3 does all the same functions with a couple minor tweaks, but it's just nicer. The stainless steel body is nicer. The mechanical rotating bezel is a lot nicer to interact with than the touch bezel. So like the overall experience is, is upgraded, yeah. but it doesn't do anything more than the... Two hundred and fifty dollar watch, and this is a four hundred dollar watch, right? So, if you care about those things, the Galaxy Watch Three is really nice. Uh, I do think that Samsung is still making these things too kind of big,
0: like they're chunky. Yeah, how big is it like compared to like a, a you know the whatever the forty four millimeter like Apple Watch? So, I reviewed the forty five millimeter
4: okay. uh, Galaxy Watch Three, which is the bigger model, and it sits on the wrist bigger than the. Big Apple Watch. Yeah. So if you are wearing a 44 millimeter Apple Watch and you put this on, this will sit bigger. Like it, it just feels bigger. And part of that, I think, is the shape. It's round versus square. And it's got it's 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 got like harder edges as opposed to the rounded sides of the Apple Watch that kind of hide its size really well. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Apple did a really good job of like minimizing the size based on just like the visual weight of it. But this thing feels big. I, I'm not, like, a small person. I have pretty average to large size wrists and arms and things like that. And this watch feels big on my wrist. Like, they made the screen bigger, uh, which is nice to read, but it also makes it look bigger on your wrist. So, like, <laughs> I'm just not. I, I, Samsung touts how it's, like, 11% thinner and 14% lighter and stuff like that. And, like, it's not uncomfortable to wear. It's just big. So, for me, my personal choice is to go with the smaller model. Uh, and the smaller model is, I think, 41 millimeters, and that fits me very well. But, like I said, I'm a, like a five foot 10, you know, guy with arms that are like matching my size. So, if you are a smaller person, the small model is going to be big on you. Right. right. So, like, I think Samsung still needs to, like, work on that and and get that better uh, in terms of like you know a, a, a broader appeal. But otherwise, you know, I kind of like the Samsung Washi. There's a lot of complaints that are just like perennial with these things. Third-party apps is are terrible. Like you're not going to find any third-party apps there. Bixby is the worst thing on earth. It is so bad. Like you could joke about this on a phone, but like with a watch, you actually use the voice assistant a lot. Or at least I do. When I'm wearing an Apple Watch, I use Siri all the time to turn lights on and off. Like like Becca just mentioned with Google Assistant, I set timers all the time. I'm terrible at cooking, so I'm always setting timers when I'm grilling so that I don't burn things. And like, what if you have to set more than one though? Yeah. Like well yeah I mean yeah Siri's limited there, but like. At least, the, at least when I say, you know, Siri set a timer for two minutes, it does it immediately. Whereas, yeah. like, on the Galaxy Watch 3, Bixby takes, like, 20 seconds to respond and, like, hear the message. So now it's a two-minute and 20-second timer. Like, it's, it's already messed up. Yeah. So, like, and it, it can't control things. I don't know. It's just a mess. But, like, these are, like, the same... Complaints we've had forever with Galaxy Watches and, and like Samsung just hasn't gotten there to address them.
0: I mean, you look at the Android smartwatch universe and uh, it's like Galaxy Watch and live with Bixby and like, you know, Samsung's attitudes for software and deal with like the lack of what? It's like, is there a good mapping software for the Galaxy Watch 3? No. Nope.
4: I There's mean, nothing,
0: on. nothing on it out of the box. Solve you can that.
4: download here Maps from <sighs> the Galaxy Watch store, but uh, I've never gotten here Maps to work. And I've installed on three different Galaxy watches.
0: I know that like the idea of a map on your smartwatch seems dumb, but it's actually if you need it, you need it. Like I like Mm -hmm. go out on your bike, you've just got your watch, and then like oh wait, how do I you know something something like it? So that's annoying. But okay, so Fossil just uh, updated their Gen Five smartwatches with sleep tracking and some fitness stuff. Fossil did this, not Google, (laughs) who makes Wear OS, and Fossil is, like, the only company that bothers making, like, Wear OS devices. Fossil had to do this. And dummy that I am, I actually, like, oh, maybe now it's time to buy another Wear OS watch and see if, like, that's the way to go. Like, I I prefer the Google Assistant to Bixby so much that I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll buy another smartwatch. And I was going to buy myself a Wear OS watch. This, I have a problem. Um, But, like... You know, we're waiting for this Fitbit acquisition to happen. Did you guys see see this um, Fitbit Versa 3 and Sense leak uh, from this week? I did.
4: And uh, it looks like there's no buttons on it, Yeah, which is, Adidas is going to make fun of me the way I say that word, but buttons, it seems like a backwards regression. Like, smartwatches are a place where physical controls are actually very... I just said how, like, the Galaxy Watch 3 is nicer to use than the Active 2 because of the physical controls it adds. Yeah. It looks like Fitbit is removing those entirely, at least according to these leaks. And uh, I don't know. I think it's a mistake. I think uh, futzing with a touchscreen on your wrist is kind of annoying. So, like, you should improve that with some some dials and buttons and switches and
0: all that fun stuff. There's
3: nothing wrong with a button. Buttons? Can we stop trying to eliminate them everywhere?
0: Yeah. I, at least they don't look like carbon copies of the Apple Watch, is my take. Like, they, they, they do look, like, unique. They've got their own shape. Uh, so I'm happy about that. You, you mentioned the Google acquisition, like, that's a thing, right? Like, that happened? Or are we still waiting for that to... Well, it's, uh, it's got to be approved. Like, it was sort of just floating. So, so like, Versus
4: are going to be just doing Fitbit's thing. Google's got Wear OS, but, you know, I don't know. The, the other problem with the Versus is always the software as well. They're really, really great fitness trackers, if that's all you care about in a smartwatch. The fitness tracking is really good on the Versus. If you care about anything else with the smartwatch, they kind of fall on their face.
3: Yeah. It's so weird, like like smartwatches are a piece of tech that I have never touched simply because I am an Android user and I have very small wrists. And if you are an Android (laughs) user with a small wrist and you don't wanna wear a giant computer on your wrist.
4: A giant puck.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Like a giant puck. There's like nothing there's nothing for us tiny people out there. Our tiny Android users.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the Fitbits are relatively small, so, like, they might be worth a look. Sure. I am currently the weirdo who's, like, trying to use an Apple Watch alongside, uh, like, an Android phone sometimes. So, like... How
3: is that?
0: Well, it's, like, I've got the Apple Watch for iMessage because I'm leaving iMessage on because I'm locked into iMessage because I want my family to actually talk to me. Although, we've got... I've managed to... They're on Facebook Messenger now, so, like, that's working, but i am still got some people who only talk to me on iMessage. So rude. The watch is there to, like, get and respond to iMessage's and then the Android phone is like the Android phone. So that's, you know, it's awkward, but at least I have a decent smartwatch. Um, (laughs) Wow. I don't know. It would be nice if like Google would figure this out. It is nice that Samsung has mostly figured it out, but like, man, I just... It doesn't
3: pass the sweater test for me. Like, Like if I'm wearing a tight sweater, I cannot put it on over my watch. Like... That's that's the test it's got to pass, and I find them to be quite thick as well. Even even the the smaller.
4: I think I think to Dieter's point, I just I just trashed Fitbit's smartwatches for being bad smartwatches. But like, if you do want to watch as like a fitness tracker, the Verses are really thin. Uh and and you know, R I P Pebble. Pebble did it right. They were really <laughs> thin, really comfortable. Uh, really, they were available for all size wrists. Yo, know,
3: pour one out for Pebble, everybody.
4: Yeah. Ugh. But you know, Fitbit bought Pebble. <laughs>
3: oh,
1: my
4: God. Uh, anyways, anyways, there's one more smart watch I want to talk about. Uh, Sam Byford, a uh, reporter out in Japan, he got access to this thing called the Nubia Watch, oh and my God, it is
0: this thing. It's it is ridiculous. the
4: most absurd, ridiculous. Like this is like when I look at these pictures, and you should go check it out on the site. But it looks like what everyone like these sci-fi concepts of what a smartwatch would be like seven years ago like there's gonna be this it's it's basically a cuff with a flexible screen that wraps around your wrist and it's like all screen and it's like technologically like uh, a wonder and really wild and cool but like can you imagine ever actually wearing that and using it it's like so absurd it's like the exact opposite of uh you know what we were just talking about, wanting something small and discreet.
3: I'll never forget. uh, I think this was, this might've been John Porter, one of our reporters' first video he did with us was the Nubia Alpha hands-on we did um, with this watch. And it's, and I remember being there with John and it was his first video and he was kind of, you know, nervous, rightfully so. And I was nervous working with him. And I was like, I think we just have to lean into how crazy this is. Like, I don't think we can take this too seriously, John. (laughs) It's nuts and it's huge
4: yeah yeah it's it's wild i mean like cool it's cool that it exists like it's cool that they did it and they built built it and apparently there's a kickstarter and if you want to be part of that party you can go uh join but uh it's something it's 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 it just it just looks like a concept that's come to life and like that's you don't always see that uh we were just talking about how the beans got so watered down and became the buds live before they got released like this thing no watering down
0: (laughs) If you want a smartwatch, you have an Android phone. Like, you either have to go big with the Samsung, get the Versa, or do what I do, which is um, I use a Withings. Which you, just, you just accept that you're not going to get all the fancy stuff. That it's just going to count your steps and show you some notifications and read your heart rate, heart rate. And if you accept that the watch is that limited, that's great because the battery lasts forever. Like, I I don't know. I charge it once every two or three weeks. Like, you never really have to charge it, uh, which is great. But. Then you don't get any of this stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Eventually this will get solved. Never. I, <laughs> we've been we've been waiting for Google to like fix the smartwatch thing for five years now. Like they they jumped out of the gate, they got uh, smartwatches out ahead of Apple, and then it's just been meh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we need to end the next segment on an up note because we ended the last one on the down note of 20. We're ending <laughs> this one on the Wear OS. We're gonna come back and it's gonna be
3: all
2: positivity all the time. Oh, I'm so ready
0: All right, we're back. And the best thing, we're going to be positive, and it's time to talk about Epic and Apple. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We obviously, like, the entire last Vergecast was nothing but this, but there have been a couple of small updates since then. Epic has come out and said that Apple has threatened to just kick them out of the Apple developer program entirely, which, ah, that would mean that they couldn't notarize their Mac app, that, like, they would just stop being able to make iOS apps entirely that seems dire there's a deadline on that and then apple comes back with a you know another statement and it's another a very apple statement. statement. Um, they say they very much want to keep the company as part of Apple's developer program. The problem Epic has created for itself is one that it can easily be remedied if they submit an update of their app that reverts it to comply with the guidelines they agreed to, blah, 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 blah. Um, we won't make an exception for Epic because we don't think it's right to put their business interests ahead of the guidelines that protect our customers. Yeah, this this fight is just going to keep going. Like Neither one of them is blinking right now as of you know the day we're recording this Thursday the 20th
4: and now iPhones with Fortnite preloaded on them are going on eBay for $12,000 no they're not <laughs> what <laughs> yeah that was making around today like if you want to buy an iPhone with Fortnite preloaded on it of uh, course uh, someone on eBay will set, sell it to you for five figures
1: snaps uh, for that I, snaps just for I, that. you just
4: got to wonder how long this is going to keep going on and 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 when is i mean i feel like the the lawsuits will continue those are going to go through the court system that at some point Epic's gonna relent, right? And they're just gonna kind of like push that update and fix it and like silently Fortnite will be back in the app store.
0: Maybe not. Maybe yeah, they, they so? just they just looked at how much money they made off of iOS and they're like, yeah, we could forego that, that's worth the fight. <laughs> You know the, the the discourse around this thing. It, it's it's gone the full Apple circle, right? So, Apple is the worst. No, Epic is the worst. No, Apple is a big bully now. They they think they're a small company, but they're actually a huge company. Well, actually, have you seen what how bombastic uh, Tim Sweeney is? He's kind of a jerk. Well, Apple's kind of, like it's just like at this point, it's just like gone around the bend two or three times now. But neither one of these companies is backed down off their like initial, you know, stance.
4: So here we are. Here we without are. Without Fortnite on the iPhone or on Android phones, unless you have a Samsung phone, but like you could sideload on it. But we should say it's not on Google Play.
0: Uh, so. It's not on Google Play. Yeah, oh. that's right.
3: And and we we did make a, a really good explainer, um, YouTube.com/slash/theverge that came out this week. If yep. y'all need one, to to check that out.
0: Big picture with Russell Brandom It's very good. It's very good. Well, grab bag stuff. Just a couple of things. Um, I guess just today, right before we recorded, uh, Uber and Lyft got to stay, so they're not getting kicked out of uh, California. They're going to be able to continue to operate for a little while longer while they fight over whether or not drivers should be treated as employees or not. We will get into this much more when it like becomes a little bit more real. It seemed like it was going to be super real until right up until we hit record. So like stand by for that. But... I just want to read this quote. Uh, So Dara Khosrowshahi was on the Pivot podcast with uh, Kara Swisher. And Mm. uh, just listen to this with me. I do think that we have the system that's optimized. It's called capitalism. It's not called laborism. It's not called socialism. It's capitalism, and it's a system that's built to maximize shareholder value and capital. And if that's the only input, then you're going to keep getting the same results going forward that you get going backward. So these kind of statistic- systemic changes, you know, I'm game for it. I don't want yesterday's capitalism 20 years ago to be the same 20 years from now. Um, man, like you're talking about like Uber, Just he just goes full like let's talk about you know, late capitalism and like the <laughs> systemic ways that we build our entire economy, and like we got to solve that problem in order for Uber to solve its problem. Like, that's a lot. It's just that just feels like maybe maybe the bar's a little too bit too high there for solving this this question. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's like we got to solve capitalism if we're going to figure Uber out. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's a it's
4: a it's it feels like that's a separate issue that needs tackling. And like, Uber's got other problems, and like it it needs it to. It needs to figure them out within the constructs of, of what, you know, our society offers right now. And then, you know, maybe capitalism needs to be fixed, but like plenty of companies have existed in the past without, you know, the issues that, that Uber is facing right now. So it's it's a core way they built the business.
0: Maybe clock a quarter where you make a profit before <laughs> you start talking about oh, the way oh. capitalism works. <laughs> just, there you go. Just know. a thought. <laughs> bow, it's bow. working for somebody. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of capitalism, Apple's worth $2 trillion, according to its market cap.
4: Yay!
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I don't. Care. Yeah. I mean, well, so that 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 feeds into our point, you know, with with Epic, right? Apple is a two trillion dollar company. Epic is an X number billion dollar company. I don't. I know.
0: think it's seventeen billion. Yeah,
4: like. seventeen billion. Yeah. they are so unfathomably wealthy for like, like that. It's just like they can just go tit for tat and fight each other all day long, and then but at the end of the day, like the ones who actually pay are the people who can't get fortnite on their iphone or fortnite on their ipad and they just want to play the game so
0: yeah yeah so we have seen prototypes of this but zte is actually saying that they're going to sell a phone with a, a selfie camera that's completely hidden behind the screen can't wait to test it out and see if it's any good if it's a ham cam if it's ham a ham cam. cam right but what what level of badness are you willing to accept of a selfie camera if the, you don't have to have that whole punch Like, what's the
3: what's the trade off there? Okay, I don't mind the hole punch.
0: Yeah, I don't
4: mind the notch either. Like you get used to both of them as you're using it. The one thing that the hole punch is a little weird is uh, it cuts into things. Like if I'm watching on my Samsung phone, my S20, if I'm watching a YouTube video and the YouTuber uh, is using a two by one aspect ratio, which a lot of tech YouTubers are using nowadays, it cuts into the hole punch cuts into that because the app wasn't coded to like Acknowledged fact that the the whole punch is there, and I can't zoom it out. So like I'm either zooming it in to cut in more, or I deal with it. So like it is annoying in that sense. Is it the end of the world? No, it's in the lower lower left corner of the thing, or the middle of it. Like it's not the end of the world to me. And same thing with the notch. Like it's 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 like something that I totally get used to. That all said. I never take selfies like the amount of times that I use my selfie camera is so small. So like if if that camera disappeared or got really worse, it would not be the end of the world for me. But that's me. Lots of people take selfies obviously it matters a lot more to them.
3: Yeah, my, my attention is so rarely on that part of my screen where the notch or the hole punch is that it, it doesn't make a difference for me. And when people complain about it, I am often it's like, is it really that big of a deal? Um, <laughs> but I, I am someone I do. I take a fair amount of selfies um, but I also usually flip my phone around and I use my rear camera and then I just put like the timer on and, and kind of chance it. Cause I'd rather have like high resolution and all of that. You um, do the fancy selfies. Listen, my, <laughs> my content game <laughs> the, is not strong, the, but the quality is good. The
4: 8k selfie videos. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's right. So, but to see a phone that's fully, Screen is is cool. I mean, like
4: we saw that last year's uh, OnePlus Pop did it with up. the 7 Pro, right? And it had the pop-up camera. Yep. And uh, that was one solution. I mean, obviously that has other concerns in terms of like manufacturing complexity, uh, reliability and stuff. Is that camera going to break at some point? I mean, one, at the time, OnePlus was like, no, it's not going to break. It does all things. The very next phone they release, they got rid of it and like put a whole bunch <laughs> in. So like, mm, <laughs> maybe it does break. So like we and like... On the 7 Pro, that was awesome screen. Like, was nothing interrupting that. It was a really cool experience. So, like, I could see this being worthwhile as long as, like, the camera is, you know, functionally decent.
3: Yeah. Decent. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about a party trick. That, like, the pop-up selfie camera, like, my favorite thing was, like, pretending to drop it and it closing. I was like, this is the coolest (laughs) thing ever. But, like.
0: Okay, very last thing we started the show talking about a phone with a stylus. We're gonna end the show talking about phones with physical keyboards because it's 2004 again and <laughs> <laughs> Blackberry's back, baby. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, so if you didn't know, uh, TCL who would like license the Blackberry brand was making the last handful of blackberries you may have heard of. It was like, well, we're done with that. but now this new company, called Onward Mobility out of Texas has said, well, we're going to make five, 5G five BlackBerry phone. It's coming out in 2021.
4: Yep. They said that. Yep. <laughs> they say it's going to have a keyboard. So, like, the reason to put a BlackBerry label on anything is if it has a physical keyboard. I have so, a keyboard. So, right. It. Okay.
0: So, who is Onward Mobility? Well, it's it's a tiny little company. They I think they uh been around since, like, I don't know, late 2019 or something. So I just looked at, like, who the employees are listed out on LinkedIn. And so a bunch of people came from this company called Sonim, which makes a bunch of, uh, like, industrial like construction, like, full, rugged, heavy-duty phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that makes perfect sense, right? Like, BlackBerry is really trying to position itself as the phone for corporate use. They're not trying to appeal to consumers. So having people with experience making, like, bespoke custom phones for a certain type of business, like, that makes perfect sense to me. There's there's reason to be excited and there's a reason to be concerned. So the reason to be concerned uh, is that a lot of the employees uh, have a bunch of history like doing product management specifically for phones that are going on AT&T, which makes me worry that this is going to be like an AT&T special in the way the <laughs> new little palm phone was a Verizon special. So that's a little bit troubling. Uh, I think the reason for hope is that this company onward obviously they don't they can't make a phone themselves they've got to have somebody else make it and the the company that's going to be manufacturing their phones they've already announced is a fiH something something it's a division of Foxconn mm-hmm. and that's interesting because it turns out this division of Foxconn that's going to make this blackberry phone is the same division of Foxconn that works with HMD to make Nokia phones
4: yeah they uh, they're the, the cranking out the retro phones i will yeah. say that like the reason that you say this is promising and i think you're right uh at least in this respect uh <laughs> is that uh the nokia phones are good like the yeah, Nokia phones really are, are well made the hardware is good the construction is good the software i mean like that's a separate story but the software on those nokia phones is typically good and stuff like that and they're made to mm-hmm. an aggressive price point that uh seems to be successful for hmd the problem that i have or is that <laughs> The TCL phones that had the BlackBerry label were not bad. Like they didn't have bad hardware. That was not the problem with them. They were well built. They were like, you know, the, the the keyboards were felt like BlackBerry keyboards. They were traditional. They were everything that, that you would want. They had big batteries. A lot of people liked those phones because they could go two days on their battery life that wasn't the reason that most people didn't buy them. <laughs> like like the most the reason people didn't buy them is because a physical keyboard makes your phone good at messaging and worse at everything else. And so like messaging is one component of what we use our phones for nowadays and like everything else, the, a keyboard gets in the way. So like that doesn't solve the, pr- the fact that they have a good manufacturing prob- partner does not solve their core challenge of the fact that in 2020 or 2021 when this comes out, the concept of what a smartphone can do is much different than it was in 2006.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's true. Uh, part of me wants to say like, oh, but the problem is that Android just isn't designed to work with keyboards and if they just optimize the software, you'd be able to fly around on this thing in the way that you could fly around a BlackBerry Bold back in the day. You'd know what all the keyboard shortcuts are and you've had years of experience knowing that hitting the BlackBerry button and H does does one thing and blah, 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 And Like, like all of that could be true. Um, and some of that was actually true with like the Key One. Uh, they did have a bunch of keyboard shortcuts, but like no one has is going to build up years of muscle memory on this thing, right? It's not going to have the critical mass.
4: And then like when you think about the BlackBerry Bold, had a, like a postage size stamp screen. Like like you didn't, yeah. you weren't sitting there watching videos on it. You were not shooting TikToks. You were not scrolling through long social media feeds you are not watching quibbies which you're not doing on a a phone today but you could (laughs) you know so like all of those things are necessitated and made better by the fact of that big screen at the top of the show we talked about like what's our preferred phone size and we were like they're getting bigger and why are they getting bigger well they have bigger screens and the bigger screen like you said Dieter on the note 20 means that you can do more things with it and like you can play video games on it instead of using your tablet and stuff like that you stick a hardware keyboard in the way of that and all of that experience gets worse in service of one particular thing that you do with your phone. So like maybe it is something that you do really, like maybe there is that niche, just like the Sonim company we mentioned has a niche of like rugged, heavy duty phones that are kind of crummy to use because of all the ruggedness to them, but the people that need those and rely on them need them. Uh, maybe there is that small niche, but TCL couldn't find it. BlackBerry certainly couldn't find it. odds that this company is going to find that niche? I don't know. Very slim. I don't mean to be a downer at the end of the the show. You put some really heavy expectations on me to say something positive about a BlackBerry phone in 2021.
0: They might find the niche, but it might just be like 100,000 people and that's it. Or 100. 100 people. Right. Well, I mean, before today... Had you ever heard of like Sonim, right? Like Dan and I have, but like th- you listening to this, have you ever heard of Sonim? Like, meh, maybe, maybe not, um, and maybe that's just what is going to happen to BlackBerry. Is it, it they'll they'll be they'll have a decent little business making phones for a small number of people at the end, and that's like it's not great, but it's um, it's better than it going away completely. I guess it kind of did, right? Like it went away. <laughs> yeah. and then, I mean, like
4: like TCL was like, we're done, we're out, and yeah. so like there's no more new phones, and then this company's like. Six months later, they're like, oh, we're going to do it, but you got to wait a year for it to come.
0: So, which is why I'm worried like, that's why I'm like smelling palm again, right? They like just picked up the brand. <laughs> okay. But here's, here's my big takeaway we want phones with uh, multiple app stores because of, like this epic controversy with physical keyboards and with styluses. So we want trios because, like, there are multiple app stores (laughs) for the trio. They had styluses. They had touchscreens. They had physical keyboards. That's, that's like, that's the lesson here. I say 5G, like, all these phones are so big because they need all these 5G antennas. Just bring back the antenna bump. Bring back the, like, external antenna with, like, the little whip cord that you, like, pull up and have that be your 5G antenna so you can make a small phone with 5G. I'm saying go all the way back. (laughs) Think about it.
4: Dieter's conclusion, Palm was right.
0: (laughs) 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 Damn. <laughs> uh, on that note, that is The Verge cast. Uh, Becca, you have a uh, YouTube show. Tell us about it.
3: Oh yeah, I got this thing called Full Frame where we talk anything and everything cameras. Uh, I'm working on something right now, hopefully coming out next week for y'all. So stay tuned to youtubecom subverge and uh, yeah, watch our first episode. We built uh, I built a camera. And uh, I don't recommend it unless you know how to code, which I did not. But <laughs> anyway, it was lots of fun. So next week, stay tuned to YouTube.com slash The Verge for a new episode of Full Frame.
0: Uh, I'm just going to say, if you're not subscribed to us on YouTube, we would we would please pull over in your car and do it because we are just knocking on the door of uh, a, a milestone for our subscriber count on that channel. It would make me feel personally good if you would just go hit, hit the hit subscribe button, ring the bell.
3: Whew, it'd be kind of cool.
0: Yeah. YouTube.com slash The Verge. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Backlon, Becca is at Becca Frisacci. Dan is at DC Seifert with an E-I. Neelai will be back next week. He is at Reckless. Uh, you can subscribe to a bunch of newsletters at TheVerge.com newsletter. There you'll find my newsletter processor, Casey's newsletter, of the Interface, and very best forthcoming newsletter, Antivirus, all very exciting. We'll have the interview show back to you on Tuesday and, of course, the chat show again later next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Rock and roll. Wear a mask, y'all.
1: Thank you to Kohler for supporting this episode. Who says smart things can't also be beautiful things. The Numi 2.0 is Kohler's most advanced toilet ever. Equipped with fully customizable bidet, heated seats, automatic cleaning cycles, and on-demand smart home functions thanks to its built-in Alexa, the Numi 2.0 is a fully connected oasis of clean and comfort with unmatched sculptural design. Customize the lights to match your interior or your mood and enjoy an immersive, intuitive experience of personalized luxury and cleanliness. More than a toilet, it's a work of art. Learn more at Kohler.com.
2: Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout.